We'll check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. Do you struggle with putting yourself first? Are you tired of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed from constantly putting the needs of others before your own? I have created a sacred space that will be available once a week for 10 weeks to learn, dive deep, and create your boundaries to boost your confidence and self-worthiness. Go to www.krista-luna.com and sign up for the Master Your Boundaries course starting in September 2023. And use the code PARANORMAL to get 30% off today on www.krista-luna.com. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone Women seem wicked when you're unwanted Streets are uneven when you're down Welcome, welcome everybody. Here we are. I'm back. <laughs> this right. is like musical chairs of uh, <laughs> podcasting here anymore, right? <laughs> so this week I am back. We are Global Strangeness, first of all. Everybody knows us by now. We've been around. Everyone loves us, all our faithful fans. <laughs> so we are myself, Debra, Jeremy, and Michael. We are missing Hello. Scott this week. And uh, Bruce, we are saying sayonara. It's been fun having you on. Hopefully he comes back as a guest once in a while. Um, but yeah, this is the crew for this week. So this week I got to pick the topic. And so I wanted to talk about um, everything divination and all the tools you use. And probably anybody who has listened at all knows that I'm really into meditating. I love all the stuff. I have tarot cards. I have all like all the stuff. I've got the crystal ball. I've got yeah. pendulums i've got all the stuff so i love this kind of stuff so i don't know what about you guys do you guys use any of these things do you i'll let michael go first i'm fascinated by the ouija board and i did look mm -hmm. up on google that is the correct pronunciation it's Ouija. so mm -hmm. uh pardon my flashing in and out uh, I don't know what's going on, but uh, yeah, I'm super fascinated with the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be so much fun to play with. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. We will forgive Wait. you for being a flasher. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it gets my... too annoying, I'll pop out and try to log back in. But in the meantime, here we are. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. It's all good, folks. He's got to understand. He likes. He's fascinated with the Ouija board. He likes to mess with it. So the demons are trying to pull him out of the camera as much as possible. That's all it is. That's all it is. But attempted and, demonic possession. And no, I don't. I I'll, I'll meditate now every night, and I'll I have a money jar. But besides that, I don't really. I never used to really buy any any of this stuff. Like I used to always think this was. In the 90s, these were the people you saw in like that little small house slash business on Main Street that no one ever went to. But nowadays, these things are becoming more of a regular thing. I've interviewed so many tarot card readers, diviners, like 
pick your freaking way. I interviewed them at one point. And I mean, I they've made me believers. I've gotten readings done on my show live where it's just the stuff they pull and they figure out there's no way they're Googling that information on me. So yeah, there's just no, there's it's things that you can't even Google really. So it's just, I've been made a believer. I want to believe. <laughs> and I mean, and Scott, you're not a tarot card reader yet. Start going to a school or something get it, and learn how to do it. Actually, I have a I have an academy you can go to. I just interviewed the headmaster, and he would love to have you, I'm sure. You can even learn the dark arts there. And sex magic, which we are definitely doing a freaking episode on eventually. And I'm bringing that guy on to talk. I'm bringing that guy and one of his teachers on to talk about it. Oh, my God. I wanted to dig into it so much more in my show, but we're running low on time. But definitely, we're definitely doing a show about Scott's going to love it. Scott's going to love it. I already know. But yeah, but, that and, sounds interesting. <laughs> and that for those that missed it this past Tuesday, or um, two Tuesdays ago, Scott was on Maniacal Music Musings, having a good old time as a guest. And that episode will be dropping this Friday, actually. So if you want to check it out, it'll be dropping on Friday. You can hear Scott get made fun of for saying that birds aren't real. So always fun. But anyway, Deborah, what do you want to bring to the table this week with this? Well, I guess maybe we should first of all start with um, what is divination? Like, you know, not everybody's familiar with what that even means. So the good old standard... um, Description of it is seek knowledge of um, the future or the unknown by supernatural means and divination tools. So divination itself, you don't even need any of the stuff, even though the stuff is so much fun, the crystals and the tarot cards and all that stuff. Great fun, but you don't actually need it. Um, And I don't know, you guys have probably heard some people will say they use their body almost like a pendulum. So say you're in a store and you're like, should I buy this or that? And they let their body, the energy in their body, like lean one way or the other. You figure out what's yes and no to you, just like you would with a pendulum. And so they use just their own body or they get, you know, vibrations in one leg and it's kind of giving answers, your own body. So, so, quag- so Quagmire at a strip club. Got it. So what? <laughs> Jeez. So well, I've got a question about <laughs> I've got a question about that, Deborah, because I always wonder the same thing about the the Ouija board. What or who moves the planchette? So what you're saying is that you're allowing your body, in a sense, to become the planchette. So who is who is moving the body as a planchette in one direction or the other? Who is telling you the yes or the no by so moving I- your body as a pendulum? So there's so many different ways to use all of these tools. So there's so many different things. So you can be experiencing your own energy, your own higher self, and that's kind of your own guidance. There's also angels and guides, and then there's spirits. And so you set the intention of who you talk to. And that's the whole thing. When you're doing a pendulum, like you're in a store and you're asking, that's your own intuition. That's your own higher self that you're getting guidance from. But when you're using a Ouija board, maybe you're wanting to speak to a specific spirit. And so that's, and this is where people say it's all demonic, it's all demonic, but it's, it's what you use the intention for. So the thing about Ouija's, everybody sits down and they're like, is anyone there? Is anybody there? And half of them are scared. And that's when you get lower vibrational things showing up saying, well, damn, yeah, I'll talk to you, but it's not who you want to talk to. You should have clear intentions when you sit down with anything. 
and you always want it to be high vibrational. So even the Ouija board, people say the board itself is just a tool. Um, so you can use it to communicate however you want to as well, but you have to be like, you have to have the intention set. And that's true of all of the tools and it's true of your own body when you're channeling things coming through your own energy system, you have, you're in control of it, but you have to be very intentional about who you're connecting with. So how do you do that? How do you be careful about who you're connecting with? How do you control that? So the biggest thing is, so Jeremy, you're saying you're starting to meditate. So when you first start meditating and you first, you'll, you'll feel weird sensations. And if you're kind of empathic at all, it's very strange. Sometimes, you know, when you walk into a crowd and you can feel other people's energy and their anger, or if they're physically hurt, you can kind of pick up on it. So there's, there's when you're, you figure out what that feels like when it's another human. And then when you get, you get really sensitive, you start figuring out when it's a spirit versus an angel, it's all different vibrations, but it, it is very confusing at first. What's yours, what's someone else's, what's, you know, spirit world, it's confusing. So you get, you have, that's where meditating is really, really, really important. You really clear your mind, you get really okay. quiet and you let it come in and you start to learn what's what. So it's not like an overnight process, <laughs> at least in my it, experience. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's really not. It's really not. I mean, I can, when my, when my Reiki master slash life coach uh, does, a, does a Reiki session with me, like you can feel it. Like the first time mm -hmm. I literally almost jumped on my chair because I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, you could feel it throughout your body. Like wherever she says it's going, you feel it like a second before she says it. It's just like, holy shit. It's what's, what's not, so it's, interesting is it's so actually physical. Like it's so weird. It isn't you like a physical feeling, right? It's so that always weirded me out so much that it's not just kind of your mind thinking about stuff. It is physical. The energy is actually moving. It's so interesting to me, but yeah. It, I mean, it is. I mean, and see, this is one of the few, one of the, one of my many guests who talked about tarot, uh, Ouija boards, actually, he, when he was a child, Damon Manx, he's an author now, uh, a horror author, like a horror author, paranormal author. It's, he's actually really good. Read a few of his online stuff. But when he was a child, when he was a child, young teenager, I'll say, um, he, these two girls that lived down the road from him that were sisters and were kind of creepy, his words, um, he went over to their house and they, they played with a Ouija board. And basically the girls told him, you're going to die at this age. I don't remember the freaking age or anything. But when he got to that age, he had a heart attack that usually kills people. He basically had like a widowmaker. He, he survived it, but just the coincidence, the coincidence in that is just too much. If you're gonna, if, if, when someone tells you you're going to die at this age, and then 20 years later you have a heart attack at that age, and like you could have died if you know if people if doctors weren't as good as they are nowadays with that stuff. But it's just. And I think too, like people get really stuck on predictions and predictions are i mean they're cool when somebody's kind of giving you a reading like a tarot reader or a medium or whoever is giving you a reading about prediction like future things happening in your life people have to remember too like timelines change and stuff so they're picking up on the energy where you're at right now and the most likely outcome if you're staying on the path you're on right now but you can we all have free will you can change things things you know so you can actually change your timeline so it's not set in stone anyways. So it's really, exactly. nobody can say like 1000% this is gonna happen because the person who's getting read 
might go through a spiritual awakening might change their whole kind of energetic, you know, imprint themselves and it can change. I mean, technically, if you get a, if you get a reading of some kind done every day, it should always be different every day because you're always changing your future bit by bit. I mean, yeah, worse or worse or better. It's going to change some way though. For me, the whole thing is like you do a reading each day, like I'll pull a card or whatever, just to get sort of on this one situation, you get a reading on that situation and then you have information and you can make a decision one way or the other based on that. It's not, you know, it's not set in stone. It's to sort of guide you. That's how I use it and see it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't do readings myself personally, but I've gotten enough of them in a row that I have different shows that just (laughs) eventually it's just, you see the differences in them like slightly. And it's just like, what did I do in the last day that made this change? And it's a whole, it throws you for a loop in your head for a while because it's just you try to figure out like where does nothing change and you can, never can figure it out. It's just a little bit of things happen in your life. You talk to a you talk to a person that day that you originally weren't going to talk to or something like that. Like it's just mm-hmm. small changes that everybody does every day. They don't realize the impact. Butterfly effect. The butterfly effect in a way. You step on a butterfly in the past, it changes the future. Right. <laughs> so, Michael, have you ever had like a medium reading or a? Yeah, we had. Uh a tarot reader over to the house and uh, she conducted a couple readings. I thought it was interesting. Uh, During my second reading, uh, she became really uncomfortable and she seemed like she didn't want to talk anymore. So of course I took that as a bad sign for my future. (laughs) (laughs) She wouldn't want to fess up to it, but uh yeah, I'm really fascinated by what you two are saying because it, 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 there are some implications here. One implication is fate, right? So the guy who had a heart attack 20 years later, it's almost as if the medium or the Ouija board was able to read his fate and ascertain that in 20 years, this outcome was certain. But then you were also saying that, well, depending on what you've done over the past few days, maybe those predictions will change. So then I wonder if there's a, a multitude of fates that any individual person can actually manifest in the future that are, you know, obviously different from the same quantity or type of fates that another person would have. Like the same reading for Deborah would probably not be the reading that I would get, right? We would get different readings. And If, if, you're, go- if you're going to a legit person, I was going to say that because they're – I've discussed this on my show with multiple guests. There are good and there are bad of everything. Tarot readers, yeah. psychics, mediums. There's always going to be the sham artists out there trying to make Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just disclaimer there, folks. Always be careful who yeah. you go to. Get, get reviews first. Get reputation. And I'm, I'm such a big believer. Like, you know, there's professionals that make money. And obviously, they've been doing it a long time. So they're very good. But we all can do this. Like, we all, we all have connection. We all have you know, our higher self, we all have guides, we all have, we are all 1000% capable and should be doing this all the time. It's, you know, why, it was really, why should religions. we be doing it? Why should we be doing it all the time, Deborah? Um, I just think it's, it improves your, um, it, your ability to regulate um, your emotions and make informed decisions and have the comfort, you know, it's like a comfort knowing you have a whole team that you can work with. Okay. 
in your life. Like, it, I don't know, Jeremy, I don't know how you feel, but when I started meditating, you're like clearing off old blocks of energy and negative traumas and stuff. You hold the stuff in your body and it will actually make right. you sick. And so if you can clear all of that off and you're, and it's just, it, it improves your life. Like I can't even tell you a thousand times, a thousand times better. Because wow. when something comes up and it is a challenge, you're able to clear it off. You you understand whether it's a negative entity or if it's yourself, what it is, and you can clear it off then. You understand well, what you're dealing with. And you also understand other people if they're lying to you and stuff. So, yeah. Put it this way, Deborah. The first time that my Reiki master uh, did a full chakra cleansing on me, by the time she got done, she was in fucking tears because of all the dark energy she pulled out of me. Like it was like she 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 seemed exhausted when she got done. And she was like, "That was something," but it's <laughs> she, like it, yeah, I mean, it's I never had anything like that done in my life. So then she probably had a good thirty five years of uh, pulling to do of all that dark energy. So ooh, that would have ride. I mean, but but then you feel lighter. Like, did you feel like oh my oh, gosh? I, I, feel I, like I, I, I went I went out to, I went to take the dogs out. And I got down there that day, and I freaking like felt like I was walking on air. Like I was in, walking on the grass and it feels like I'm walking yeah. on the air. I'm like, what the? Like it was almost like. And, and so the whole thing is like, if you didn't get into this and you didn't know, then you're walking around with that. Like you're, you're walking around all negative and it's piling on, piling on. So you don't even know. But when you start to do these practices and meditating and all this stuff, your quality of life improves because you start feeling better and better and more and more positive and positivity like negativity well, ripples I mean, out. Right? So you affect everybody around you too. Once you get through the chaos of a spiritual awakening, that is, because yes, spiritual awakenings are, are pure motherfucking chaos for months. It is. But, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, I, and I, but on the other side of that question that Michael asked, though, Deborah, I'll play devil, devil's advocate here. Yeah, it's good to have a team like that to look into all your spiritual side to see what you should be doing in life. But if you get too into it, that's when, as Iron Man, as Iron Man said, can I play with madness? Because that's basically what you're doing is you're playing with madness at that point because you want to, you, it's like being an addict at, to some people at a certain point. Like they have to like, I, I've had people that come to my show night after night asking the person on, oh, do you do readings? Never reading. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. I've blocked, I've, I've had to block some of these people because they just get so, like they're addicted to it. Like every night it's just asking my guests, like, and I'm like, they're not, they're an author. No, they don't do readings. They're this. They're this. they're a paranormal investigator. They don't do again, readings. Like that's where people need to learn how to develop their own. It's not outside you. Yeah, other people can do readings for you, but it's really important that you develop your own. And it's also important. We're spiritual beings, but we're here on Earth to enjoy Earth and do Earth things, right? Like we're in this I mean, world. You may as well enjoy this world. <laughs> that's the thing, though. I mean, like it's not even about like. It's at that point in time like they want readings. It's just they want someone to talk about them so they can yeah. just blab about their problems for a good yeah yeah fifteen minutes. They don't want to pay for talk therapy, so they're just yeah. Because <laughs> every freaking thing the psychic says, you get three comments in the comment list from that person, like that are paragraphs long. Like, oh my god, when this happened, this and this happened then, and it's like, dude, I'm not putting these up on the screen. No, no, some of these are horrible. I've had some ones to show up. I'm like, oh. Okay, you're getting blocked. Like it's well, just like, some people, a lot of people too, like they're really negative. They're like, you know, oh, the, you know, my milk was bad when I poured it in my coffee. Is there a negative entity around me? It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, well, no. you are. You're Well, this is, this explains why the psychic industry 
is a $2 billion a year business. Yeah, right? That's it. And Jeremy's right. There's a lot of good ones. And then there's a lot of people just they're making bucks and they're preying on people like that. I mean, you see on Facebook sometimes, too, they'll you get, you know, there'll be a message and they'll they'll be like, oh, there's a curse on you and I can remove it <laughs> if you pay me. It's like a real psychic isn't doing that. Uh, <laughs> like, and, and that's, not, that. that's not even the that's not even the best scan out there on Instagram. You'll get messages from random psychics. OK. Oh. The fates told me I should give you a reading today. Can you yeah. just pay three dollars for the reading? <laughs> no, I can't. No, if you want to give me, a, I, I straight up say them like, if you want to give me a reading, you're doing it for free. If the, if the fates really want you to give me a reading, reach you're going to do it for yeah. free. Yeah, it's like, like the legit. fates are like the fates just told me there's a concert coming up that I don't have enough money for, so <laughs> I need to buy tickets. So can you? I mean, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's equivalent to a freaking OnlyFans girl sending you nudes in your in your DMs and being like, "Oh, I sent you them. Can you pay me now?" Like it's the same thing. Like it's just what? Like no, I would have came to you if I was interested. I don't need you to come to me. Like it's just yeah. I've blocked so many people on Instagram because the the freaking medium was wanting me to like pay for readings all of a sudden. Yeah, because they're because their cards told them like, that they didn't talk don't to put me. energy into that at all. Just don't even. I just ignore all of that kind of crazy. Like you know, it's nuts. So. But so I guess Deborah, how do you, uh, I'm oh, sorry for interrupting. How do you, how do you tie what you're talking about now with uh, the remote viewing that you've participated in? Is there a continuum here? Is there some overlap in these realms? How do you explain that? So it's all different. So we all have, there's, you know, different abilities and some people are naturally strong and some, so you know about the Claire as most people know, clairvoyant, clairaudient, Claire. Yeah. Sent, sentient, all those, right? So and that, what is the, for the audience, what does clairsentient mean? Clairsentient? I think that's the one where you're tasting or smelling, isn't it? And then uh, clairvoyant, clairvoyant is vision, clairaudient is you're hearing things. Um, okay. And then there's claircognizance where you just know things. Like it's kind of, have you ever had where something just comes to you and it's like, you just know it. You don't know why, but like, you know it. It's the claircognizance. Claire, what she just fucking what she just fucking said, <laughs> um, like that's where deja vu falls into that. Like deja vu yes. and synchronicity falls into that category a lot of times. So Claire sentience is the ability to use the five senses. Uh, well, like it's not your not your regular vision. It's not your regular, but you'll taste. Like, have you ever walked into a room or whatever and you? smell say your grandma's perfume or really strong scent of something and it's not there there's no flowers there's no anything but the scent right. is there and you sort of yeah. have a feeling of knowing they're there that's when you can smell something or if you can taste something like a really strong taste but it's you haven't taken a taste of that so right so we see that kind of activity on like paranormal shows where mm -hmm. the investigator will say well i smell perfume or i smell yeah. cigars mm-hmm so you're saying oh. that they're sentience. Cigars comes up a lot with uh, people who send spirits in there. If they're sent in like their grandparents or great grandparents, like cigars come up yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. I've had and multiple people tell me they smell cigars and of course perfume cologne is a big thing too. Can't tell you how many people said, oh, I knew it was my grandfather because I smelled um, Old Spice and Bengay. Yeah. Yeah. Old Spice. Yeah. So, so the thing about remote viewing, you were talking about, you're asking about that. So I am very visual and I do have um, really strong clairvoyance. So 
but it is something anyone that's another thing anyone can learn and it's it's you should actually take it michael i'm sure you'd really really enjoy that um course i'd like to get recruited by the cia so i should try this (laughs) (laughs) well it's just really interesting because it's very structured like i you know i went into it because i i kind of went through a spiritual awakening so i had i had these visions happening all this kind of stuff kind of happening and i took that because i was like i need to control it because it was just really fast and i didn't know what was what was what and i thought i could learn how to direct and control it or whatever and when I signed up, I was like, what kind of people are going to be in this <laughs> class? But there was like psychologists, there was, like I said, a police detective from New York. It was like really interesting. And these people are legit. I mean, they get hired by the governments to get hired by police, you know, to help in missing persons cases and things like that. So it's a legit skill. And, and it's very like they, you have to submit what you're doing each time and they, mark you whether you're you know what your targets are and if you're hitting targets and what you're strong in and so it's it's you know provable i guess is what i'm trying to say and it's very methodical how they do it so that was really interesting but i got into that because because i was having visions anyways but it was just kind of all these weird flashes i'd see something some people and it's very and i'm like well what the hell was that (laughs) i don't know what's going on but at the same time i was picking up like I was going through the dark night of the soul. So all this crazy stuff was happening. All this energy stuff was very confusing. And I was just trying to navigate my way through it all. So, and Oh, before, before I forget this, um, Michael, you asked earlier about like how he was kind of destined to have the heart attack. Like it was right. It's, I hate to keep comparing this to time travel, but they are very similar Um, with fate. I mean, basically there are the same as, same as time. There's fixed points, things that are always going to happen in your life, in the world, no matter what, like these things are always going to be. And you, no matter how much you go back and try to change them, or no matter how much you try to predict the future to change them, certain things are never going to change because the fates just think it's too important a thing that, or too important an event to not happen. I mean, I, I don't know what the fates are, but I picture the three old ladies in Greek mythology cutting the threads like an Hercules. Like that's why I picture when I think of fates. Yeah, well, I, I think we sign up for certain lessons because to me, school, like Earth is like a school for us to expand our awareness and our consciousness. And so we sign up for certain lessons. So you can't just bypass it because that's what you came here to learn and um, grow past if you can. And if you don't learn your lessons, you come back. That's why you keep reincarnating. That's what I yeah. do. <laughs> oh, but that's that's dead. That's dead on what I've been told by multiple people who are star seeds and are mm-hmm. into all this spiritual extraterrestrial type thing. I mean, if we really are just like I hate to say this, like Scientology believes, um, just alien spirits in human bodies. I don't. That's about as far as I go with Scientology. But um, <laughs> that, I mean, we're basically just going back up to some waiting room in the sky, or we're going up to some. Basically, yeah, it's like a DMV waiting room in the sky. That's what I like to call it. And you're just, you have to keep going back until you complete what you're meant to do. And I mean, there might be some greater plane you go to if you complete everything you're supposed to do, but it takes generations and lifetimes of living over and over again until you get that goal. I mean, and from what I've been told, you don't always come back as the same species. You come back as different species for different reasons. I also believe that, yeah. So, well, I mean, that's utterly terrifying. First of all, let me say that the US government has spent. $20 million minimally on remote viewing. So obviously they take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Okay, so if you're if you're going to believe in reincarnation, then I don't have an opinion one way or another. Uh, you know, so say for example, you know, a woman gives birth to a human. That human is growing a soul. That human dies in the same manner, gives birth to the soul. But it, you know, the idea of reincarnation is terrifying because uh, what if, just like in the savannas of Africa, as you emerge as a brand new baby soul in this other world, that there are hyenas and jackals just waiting to pounce upon you and tear you asunder? I mean, the whole thing's terrifying. Well, is that any different from coming back a human? Is it, it is really? not. It really no. isn't. There are plenty I mean, of humans the, that are waiting to take you down. Trust me, I could tell you from recent events. But and yeah, it really, like, so it begs to the like people always say, well, why would anyone then come back as a murder victim or you know some because some people have some pretty terrible lives and there doesn't seem a lot of rhyme or reason. Yeah, I don't want to come back as that nutty putty guy. But sometimes you're coming well, back and you're a lesson for people around you, like, mm-hmm. and you've agreed to do this. And I mean, all the pain and all the hurt and all the darkness, that's human. So as soon as like our spirit doesn't feel that, right? So you might sign up for something like that to, I mean, because you've agreed to like play that role to, to teach people around you or whoever, whatever the reason is, um, to help them expand their growth. I, I mean, think think about the poor spirits that came back as Joan of Arc or the poor mm-hmm. spirits that came back as the Salem witches, like... Jesus, like your your life is not going to be good after about 20, 30 years. Like you're not going to have a good life. It's just going to be hell after hell after hell. And it's just. But the thing is, the more, you know, if you go through something terrible, like think about even when you have a goal or whatever, like the harder you have to work at it, the more you learn, the more you expand. So I think that's the same for like kind of life lessons we come here. And we, if we can master a really terrible, you know, hard thing, then we expand all the much because everything is love in the end. That's the whole lesson at the end. So you have the potential to learn bigger lessons if you've gone through some hardships. So exactly. I mean, yeah, it's it's multiple lives just learning lessons. Over, I I forget what the hell show it is, but they kept coming back and like in the one life they get hit by a car, so in the next life they try to avoid the car and like a horse runs them over. Like it's just like. It's Murphy's law that if you try to avoid the inevitable, that something else is going to happen. It does make sense reincarnation when you think about like I have a I have a terrible fear of heights and I've never fallen off anything. I don't like there's no reason for it, but I have a real fear of it. So that that kind of does, you know, give some credence to that as well. Like when you have unexplainable reactions to things that you shouldn't that you shouldn't even know about, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> I might push back on that a little bit because I've got the same fear and it's very possible, Deborah, that something happened in your childhood that you don't even remember that involved falling. Yeah, that, that is true. It could be a repressed memory period. Just that, I yeah. know as a child, uh, I fell off a swing when it was at its highest point. I don't remember that. My parents told me it happened, but I have a fear of heights. I do not like the sensation of falling. So are those things related? Yeah, and, de- and I mean, definitely there can be a correlation there. And I've always kind of chalked it up to I'm short too, so I'm not used to seeing things from up. <laughs> right, no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I also think part of it is our 
insecurities with managing our own physicality? Are you limber enough to manage yourself in a precarious situation? You know, do you, is your limbic system, you know, that of a gymnast or somebody that's in the IT field and sits at a desk all day like me? Yeah. And then also you have to think if you had sort of a tumultuous childhood, your um, your whole like fight or flight kind of system is always, you know. It's always on. It's always on a little bit higher alert than other people. And also TV, ads, whatever. Like we do observe that, especially if we were watching stuff like that when we were young. So, I mean, you know, it's a culmination of all this stuff, I think. It is. I mean, and it's it's past lives too. I mean, and that's another huge part of divination is it dives into past life regression and people who, uh, hold it. I just had, I just had on someone the other day who is a human design specialist and mm-hmm. she basically does human design reads. Actually, she's, she's going to come back on my show in December to do a full one on me for an episode, but it's, it's interesting. Human design past lives kind of tie into each other too, mm-hmm. but human design is more about figuring out where you are currently in the future I mean, obviously, past lives are the opposite, but they mm-hmm. kind of do. Time. You can't know who you are and what you're going to be unless you know where you came from, basically. I think but, there's so many different studies. Like, that's interesting that somebody does that as their work. Like, I guess we should talk about, like, the different types of divination tools, like the tarot cards. Oh, before oh. you do that, I've got another question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so when you are remote viewing, are you basically using somebody else's eyes to see something or is this more like astral projection? So it's different than that. So I thought I was really confused about that at first too, because astral projection, you're actually energetically leaving, going to a location. Um, and I thought this was interesting because I was like, it must just be the same thing. Not. And the, and the thing about astral projection is they can't use them when they're trying to like, say, you know, get information on another country's like fighter planes or whatever, like trying to get intel kind of thing like that, because it can be protected. Animals will see an astral projector, like the energetic body they will, and they will trigger. Whereas remote viewing, you're seeing it. It's like a vision from you're still in your own body. It's your own eyes, but you're kind of almost by locating. You're not actually your whole energetic body's not there. You're seeing it. Okay, because what I was trying to get at is, I mean, if you can use remote viewing to assess, uh, say, wartime capabilities of an enemy combatant, why can't you use remote viewing to see what's on the other side of death? Different planes. Different dimensions and stuff. And people do, though. People... More or less, I think that comes more with astral projecting, though, going and interacting with different dimensions and communicating that way. I mean, but remote viewing, you can remote view, you that's, know, basically that, whatever and whatever you want when you get really good at it. The thing is, to, it's really hard to say whether it's true or not. If I'm like, okay, I'm remote viewing, you know, the backside of Mars or something, how do I prove that? I might see something. So it's good to, to practice or to, that's why you have to like do it. In a, in a way where you can, you know, check what you're actually viewing and see if it's correct, if you understand what I mean. If you have a right. 90%, you know, average or whatever, then, you know, you're probably, you know, correct when you're viewing things, you know, the crazy stuff. And that's okay. where that's where remote viewing is different from astral projection because 
I I talked to an astral projector, um, Vincent Vincent Field. He wrote a book about it too, about uh, astral projection and crap. Um, sleep sleepwalk, uh, not sleepwalking. Uh, lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming. Yeah, thank you. Um, and basically, when he was, which I mean, he lucid dreams and astral projects at the same time, basically. And he's been to so many different dimensions, and some of them are terrifying. Some of them are very warm and welcoming but some of them some of them have creatures that you would never want to meet your wildest nightmares and some of them have creatures that are cute and cuddly looking almost but he said like he's like i've been to 40 50 other planes and he said i get i get to find the one where that's supposed to be after death he said i have not yet because when you get to that place i'm sure you can feel it if you're projecting you could feel that place is like darkness and just despair i mean or I guess bliss if there's a freaking heaven or something. But I mean, so he, I don't know. It's just that's why the whole reincarnation extraterrestrial spirit type thing makes sense because it'd be too far away for us to even project to. Like it'd just be way, way, way away. And you'd have your only your spirit would know how to get there. Yeah, like so and like AP, that that's really interesting to me. And I think we do it while we sleep. In fact, I'm quite sure. And I've managed to get out of my body but it's like i'd like to do it from waking state and i've only ever kind of done that once but as soon as you're kind of out and looking around from the top or whatever you slam back down because as soon as you're like oh my gosh what did like you slam back in you have to really practice at that but i thought it was really interesting like because people are like why don't you go to the vatican then and like dig through whatever but there's astral projectors as bodyguards there that keep you away there's so I was like, well, that's really interesting. Like people have been doing this for a long, long time. And some people are very, very good at it. And I thought that was really interesting that they have security in that realm as well for nosy people, like say just me, if I figured out how to get there, you can't just go do everything unless you're strong enough or, you know, stronger than them. And they've been doing it a long time is what okay, I mean. You just blew my mind. That is such a cool concept. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. The governments, like you said, they've spent tons of money on this stuff. So they're way ahead of us. Like this is just like Jeremy was saying, it's becoming more and more normal. People are talking about it. People are kind of diving in because we've been taught to fear it all. We've been taught it's evil. You know, it's against the church. It's against, you know, and also we're so stressed out with all the, you know, chaos in the world and distracted by stuff. You have to have a, you know, really strong kind of sense of peaceful mind to do all of this stuff. So they're way ahead of us. <laughs> and, and, and since Captain Scott ain't here right now, I will say that, I mean, the Montauk Project, MK Ultra, all that was mm -hmm. early starts at what of getting to this eventually. All that was was the beginning of them trying to use people with the capability and by drugging mm -hmm. them and trying to make them bounce further. Like, it's just what the government, it's the government. They, if they think something exists, they're going to have some people to look over it. I mean, Men in Black... Bigfoot catchers, basically, like, or handlers, I guess be the better word. I mean, there's, for everything we believe may exist, there's already a government agency trying to control it. Trying to figure out how to use it to their benefit, of course. Yeah. And not, and many different governments, not just the, you know, the U.S. or oh. Canada, or, you know, it's everybody. They're all doing it, right? Trying I mean, to be the China, first and master it. China and Russia are the freaking kings of that, yeah. Though the Russians were doing things before we ever were. And I mean, yeah. even the Germans, the Germans, if you go back to World War II, I mean, 
And again, this is really big why I think we, like regular people, everybody needs to do this. That's another reason is just for um, openness. Like they, you can't be lied to if you can see just as clearly as everybody else the truth, right? Which is, you know, 100% why they don't want everyone to do it, why the churches squash it down. <laughs> mm -hmm. And governments and everybody else. I mean, the, the, the relig religious institutions have been squashing this down since the beginning of time. That's just the way it goes. I mean, anybody that was a freedom thinker was getting pushed down. And if they didn't quiet down, they got taken care of. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't control the narrative if people can see for themselves the absolute truth or, you know. So it is absolutely, it's just so fascinating to me. I really, you know, over COVID, I really went down the rabbit hole of taking classes and digging into how to do all these different things. Cause that's, and my latest thing is actually I bought a telescope and I'm going to start learning about astronomy and um, astrology as well. Cause I just, those two things coinciding together. And I don't know, I'm such a nerd anyways. <laughs> I'm just a big nerd. <laughs> hey, astrology ain't no, ain't no nothing, nothing to joke with. I've had plenty of them on my show and they are, I've gotten readings and they're another thing that's so freaking accurate. You can't, you can't it's deny so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, Deborah. Good luck with that. That's so cool. Yeah. So, I, will, I have an academy. You might want to go to Deborah. Just saying. Yeah, possibly. Like I literally just got the telescope and the, um, this little guidebook on astronomy and I'm going to start doing little nights, you know, out looking at the stars. And I have a book on how to read astrology, how to read your, from your birthday and whatever, how to sort of put that together. So I don't know. I just always, I like learning. I'm a very curious kind of person. So I get into all this stuff. <laughs> well, speaking of other ways of divining, mm -hmm. I have 10 of the weirdest fortune, fortune telling divining methods from history. And some of these are normal and I've heard of them, but some of these are I've never fucking heard of, and they are funny as hell. So we're going to have some fun with these. And I'm sorry Scott has to miss these, but he can watch it in replay. I tagged him in it. But the first one is, of course, augury, divination by birds. <laughs> Especially. Oh, I'm sorry, could you pronounce that again? What how, What is it? Augury. Augury. Divination because, by birds. Yep. Because... Chickens actually were the most popular ones. They used to reuse them to predict the outcome of battles. And priests would scatter grain in front of specifically raised chickens, of course. And whichever the birds ate the most out of, whatever pile the birds ate the most out of, would be would correspond to the greatest degree of success that the Roman forces would enjoy that day. It worked really well only during one battle, really, and that was the first Punic War with Carthage. They basically consulted the chickens on what the Navy should do. And the chickens thought it would be a good day to attack the Carthaginian fleet. And apparently it worked. But the battle plan that he wanted to use at the same time, the chickens wouldn't eat the battle plan pile. So the captain had the chickens thrown overboard, saying that they won't eat, let them drink. Uh. And, and he, ordered, he ordered his ships into battle, and he suffered a crushing defeat. So he was recalled to Rome and put on trial... Not for losing the battle, but for the sacrilege of killing the sacred chickens. He was wow. sentenced to exile and died afterwards. God, I love it. Take that serious, holy. <laughs> oh, the, the Romans, yeah. believe, the, the ancient civilizations believed in this type of stuff. They they lived by it, but I mean, the old gods, that's what they were all about. I mean, the, 
I never fucking think of it. You, you, you see it again this last week, Michael. <laughs> the freaking uh, three, the three ladies in Greece. I can't think of the name of ever. The oh, the Oracles of Delphi. Yeah, there we go. Making, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, like all that stuff. They ripped by that stuff back then. But this next one I've heard of as well. But osteomancy, divination by bones. Okay. And I mean, of course, this was one of the places this was big among others is the Zulu Nation of Africa, which uses whatever the patterns of scattered bones to tell fortunes. In ancient China, questions were carved or painted on the bones or turtle shells, which were then heated until they cracked. The seer interpreted the pattern and size of the cracks to find the answer. And the early inhabitants of Scotland used a version of osteomancy called, I'm going to fuck this up, but Slinianicid. Slinianicid? I don't fucking know. In which the soldier bone of a cooked shoulder bone, not soldier, shoulder bone of a cooked animal was consulted. But first, the querent faced a challenge. They had to pick all the animal's flesh away from the bones without ever touching the bone with iron, a.k.a. fork or knife. So how do you do that? I don't know. How do you get all the animals flush away without using iron? Leave it outside for birds to peck it away for a bit. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Boil it? Can you boil it? Or does that change it? I have a feeling they had, I mean, I'm thinking they had to use like their fingers or something. Like, or they had to clear it all with their fingers, like every little bat, last piece of flesh. But it seems like it would take a while on some, if they use a cow or something. But the next one, this one's kind of funny. Alphidomancy, divination by bread. Hmm. It, it was an ancient world thing. It's how they would solve crimes. Suspects would be rounded up and each would be fed a piece of blessed bread or cake made with barley. To the innocent, it was just a snack, but the guilty party would be beset with stomach pains, indigestion, or simply choking. Sounds to me like they had a barley allergy, but okay. And even the parties who thought their cake tasted bad were considered guilty. It, but they, wow. they, believe na- they believe nowadays that it was more likely the bread was selectively poisoned so that whoever the judge needed to be guilty would get sick. Yeah, that sounds highly plausible, Jeremy, actually. So you go in there and you pretend that's the best cake you've ever had in your whole life, no matter what <laughs> you're feeling. <laughs> Yeah, pretend it's the best cake you ever had, then go home and shit your brains out. <laughs> that's, that's the way you do it. This one, though, oh, before my surgery, this would have been my thing. Gastromancy. Divination by stomach rumbles. <laughs> Which yeah. is basically the fortune telling based on the sounds and signs of the belly. The sounds of digestion, digestion were thought to be the voices of the dead and were interpreted by the seer in a kind of possession experience. Some scholars believe that the seers who translated or sneakily created these noises were the forerunners of modern ventriloquists. A writer during the Renaissance recorded that this method was for a long time together used in Ferrara by Lady Giacoma Rodogina, the, what the fuck are these words? The Yugostrim, the Athian prophetess. Later, gastromancy came to mean definition with a round belly-shaped objects like water goblets or crystal balls, which are still used today, of course. Okay, so. that one's strange and nonsensical. Yeah, so, and how did how did that transition from your belly, like rumblings, to a crystal ball? <laughs> like that's that's yeah. uh, well, it, it, it just basically it was belly shaped objects. That's basically why they were able to do it. But 
And okay, this next one I've heard of, and it's not too strange, I guess, because it makes sense in a way. But Margar Edomancy, Divination by Pearls. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Which I mean, it's the name sounds like it's something to do with the occult wisdom found at the bottom of a fishbowl margarita. Which that's great wisdom, let me tell you. But, <laughs> it, but it's an ancient. It's really an ancient method of divination based on heating a pearl until it jumps or shatters. The ancients thought pearls were magical. They are the only gems produced by living beings. They didn't get used very often, though, because it was still expensive back then to buy pearls. A common method was to place a pearl in a cast iron pot, which was set over a fire. Then the diviner read aloud a list of names of people suspected of thievery. The person whose name was being read when the pearl began to move was the guilty party. (laughs) Another version claims that the heated pearl would only begin to move when a guilty person came near it. So basically, you're playing hot potato with a freaking pearl inside people's fates. Right? Spin the bottle. You to the gallows. Here we go. (laughs) Horrible. Wow. Horrible. (laughs) Ah, here we go to some of the ancient uh, Mesoamerican tribes. Anthropomancy, divination by human sacrifice. <laughs> also, also called antinopomancy, it's, experts have found evidence of it in nearly every corner of the world. It was seen as a way to appease the gods, but it also was a way to get answers from them, they thought. The practice was linked to and often include ecstasy, studying the organs of animal and human sacrifices. Anthropomancy was more concerned with the moment of death. Predictions were made based upon death throes, number and volume of screams, direction of blood flow, or the direction in which the victim's body fell to the floor. One of the most famous predictions in Western history was a result of this form of fortune telling. According to the Roman writer Suetonius, the seer Spurina performed anthropomancy before she she warned Julius Caesar to beware the Ides of March. And he didn't listen to that, and he should have, so... So how do they I mean, pick this the victim? Like draw straws? Um, I'm guessing just someone's I'm guessing someone's sitting in prison or sitting in, as yeah. a captive. I mean, it's the same thing as like when they used to cut chickens' heads off and like they would like wherever the chicken landed on, like when it finally dropped would be what they believe. Yeah, it's horrible. It, it is, but speaking of something that's probably gonna be horrible, myomancy, divination by mouse. <laughs> Myomancy was based on the movements of mice in a defined area or by the sound of their squeaks. Having your doom pronounced in the high-pitched voice of a tiny mouse sounds adorable, but the the ancients took it seriously. Mice gnawing at treasures in a Roman temple were thought thought to predict the first Roman civil war, and the dictator Fabius Maximus, I like that name, retired, retired early after the squeak of a mouse predicted his doom. So that actually makes a, a, maybe a stretch, but that makes a bit of sense to me that mm-hmm. like maybe not, you know, going into wars and stuff, but animals are so like say an earthquake is coming, you know, and they're all trying to scurry out or the air quality is bad. So they're trying to, you know, they'll, so I could see how they watch the behavior of mice and be like, Oh, something's coming. I could, I can kind of see that. Maybe not to the degree they were doing it, but if you watch animal behavior, it is telling, right? When natural disasters are coming and stuff like that, they sense it a lot faster than us. Exactly. I mean, so that one actually doesn't, that one's not as horrible as I thought it would be. <laughs> I mean, but this well, one we, I can see. Je- a bit more sense. <laughs> well, this one I can see Deborah doing. 
Dactylomancy. Divination by jeweled rings. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> but the most popular form of it comes from the Middle Ages in Europe. It required a set of seven rings, like the Mandalorian. And, I mean, not the Mandalorian, the, uh, yeah, the Mandalorian. Yeah, what the, f- am I, yeah, the Mandalorian? I think that's the right name, yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm Star Wars, maybe you think it's not real. Damn. Each was made of a different material that corresponded to a different day of the week. No one really knows how the rings were used, but they believe that the correct ring was rolled across or suspended above a table marked with the letters of the alphabet. The letters touched by the ring were seen as part of a message, which sounds very similar to a Ouija board, honestly. But today, modern seers perform a simple form of dactylomancy through dowsing by using a plain ring or other small objects suspended from a string. Answers are gained based on the direction in which the ring starts swinging. So basically, a pendulum. It was a Ouija board once, and it became a pendulum. Am I off on that? Or (laughs) even now, people use pendulums with Ouija boards often, or they'll use it with number boards or whatever. They kind of use it together sometimes. Makes sense. Makes sense. That this, made me think, hey, next... remember those mood rings that you'd buy? They were like cheap little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were cool. <laughs> no, they were cool, but they didn't really like, they were never accurate. They were never accurate. <laughs> but the next one, and I actually have heard of this, and I believe it does work to some degree. Molly, Molly Demancy, or basically molten metal divination. It was recorded in Greek, in the ancient Greek and Roman empires. It spread to Germany and the Nordic countries by way of imperial invasion. An easily melted metal such as lead or tin is liquefied over a fire before being poured into cold water. The, men- the metal instantly hardens into bizarre shapes, which are then interpreted. It's still a New Year's tradition in Finland, where each family member is given a small piece of tin in the shape of a horseshoe to melt down. The melted and cooled pieces are held to a candle flame, and the shadows they cast suggest things that will happen to their owners in the coming year. That's kind of that's interesting. That's almost like tea leaf reading, right? Where you drink the tea and the leaves at the bottom are doing whatever shapes and people. Uh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, we didn't, we haven't even touched on the tea reading yet. That freaking Harry Potter stuff, right? (laughs) You got the black dog, (laughs) Harry. But okay, this last one is the one I'm looking forward to the most because it's just the most outrageous. Tell me if you can guess what this is. Scatomancy. Poo. Yes, it's definition. Definition by poop. Seers uh. <laughs> <laughs> and magic users from several ancient cultures were known to tell a person's fortune by the look of their excrement. The Egyptians took scatomancy a step further by studying not only the feces, but also the behavior of dung beetles, which rolled the stuff into balls as part of their mating display. Speed and movement of the beetles, as well as the marks left by the rolling, were all taken into account for the final prediction. Staring at poop to gain secret knowledge might sound like something only an ancient barbarian would do, but modern doctors still practice scatology or the examination of a patient's stool samples to learn about their health. So, I mean, we are still technically doing that one. Those scarab rings from Egypt, like those are, have you seen like um, an antique roadshow and that kind of stuff? Like those scarab rings, they're very, very common. Everybody was buried with them back then, but they're really cool. Like they really did take that. To hurt, <laughs> so to speak. Mm. Those beetles. Well, and what can I say? There's actually a lot more that we're not even on that list that are freaking strange. 
But, Jeremy, isn't there some kind of uh, divination where you use almost like uh, divining rods? To... Actually, okay, I, I think I have that one right yeah, here. I think it's, that might be this one. I'm not sure if this is exactly what you mean, but occultomancy is performed by dropping between 7 to 20 metal or bone needles into a bowl of water or onto a flat surface covered in powder. The arrangement of the needles or the tracks they made in the powder would be read and interpreted. It was used by nomadic Romani people or gypsies. Hmm. And it's known as sortilage, which means predicting the future based on the casting or throwing of token items. Interesting. So, I don't know if that's exactly what you meant, but I, it was kind of similar. To what I but there's also the dousing rods, like, you know, what you use to find water, but you can use right. those to get yes or no answers too, right? That's it. I don't I know mean, if that's what you're talking about, Michael. That's what I was thinking, but I don't know that to be true. I mean, paranormal investigators use them to talk to spirits. Oh. So, I mean, they did when they did my house, at least. But, yeah. you, I mean, they just basically pulled them out and tell the spirit to either make it, either push them together or pull them apart for yes mm. or no. Because the, the common things now, I mean, mirrors, like scrying, right? So that's your, you know, uh, crystal balls, mirrors, you know, anywhere where you're kind of doing vision stuff. And then crystals people use all oh my gosh people spend so much money on crystals that's a big business <laughs> it is we have a bunch of crystal stores over here yeah it's big big and then the pendulums and the tarot cards the ouija boards people in flames um just like a candle scrying with a candle oh, I, I, okay I, oh, I actually just went past that one but we could dive into that oh. daphno daphnomancy is that what but it is it was <laughs> It was, it was an ancient Roman thing. It was the practice of tossing laurel leaves onto a fire and interpreting the sound of the burning leaves as well as the fire's brightness. If the crackling of the leaves was loud, it was a good omen. However, if there was only silence, the outlook was bleak. And same basic, same basic principles for the brightness with a hotter, brighter flame, meaning more positive future. It's named after the Greek, the Greek nymph Daphne, who was turned into the first laurel tree when she ran away from Apollo. Gotta love, Greek, gotta love Greek mythology. It's so, so nice to women. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I believe in that one. But here's one for Michael, actually. Because it became something he loves. Gyromancy. Okay. It's basically a, a giant circle that's drawn on the ground, made up of all letters in the alphabet and other arcane symbols. And then having a person or group of people walk or spin around inside the circle until they got dizzy and fell over or stumbled and stepped out of the circle. The letters they touched or accidentally fell on would be recorded and read to determine the future. There's two other forms that were used similar, similarly. One was that people spin around in a frenzy circles or dance wildly until mentally exhausted and then interpret their delusional utterances. The other would be to draw a much smaller circle of letters and then spin a coin in the center of the circle, recording which letters the coin touched while spinning. And th this, they basically became the modern Ouija board. That's interesting because... Uh... Are you familiar with how the Ouija board got its name? No. I've heard, the it, inventors I've heard it, but it's been a while. Yeah, so the inventors of the Ouija board, uh, a guy named Elijah Bond and Charles Kennard, uh, sat down to use the Ouija board and asked the Ouija board, what shall it be called? And the answer was O-U-I-J-A. So the board identified it. Yeah, the board spelled out its own name. Cool. <laughs> it's weird, right? 
It's cool. Like I said, who moves the planchette? <laughs> well, you'll have to get one because it, it is interesting feeling, but I think you're ch channeling when you're doing that. But no, well, that's interesting. Well, this next one is, <laughs> I love this next one. It's called Sternomancy. It's like Anthropomancy a little bit, but which is the one that reads the entrails. But this one also requires taking someone's life to really make it work. <laughs> from the Greek from the Greek word sternin, meaning breastbone, omens would be interpreted based on the size, shape, and coloration of, a of the breastbone of a corpse. Fortunes could also be told based on the color and sound the bone made when placed in the fire. The current day tradition of cracking a wishbone for luck is a modern remnant of this form of divination. Another form of sternomancy, and this word gets good, which is far less gruesome, didn't use the breastbone for div divination, but rather women's actual breast. It's believed that through sternomancy, the personality and character of a woman can be determined simply by the size and shape of her breast, as well as the color and shape of her nipples. Okay. So you want. <laughs> Where's Scott when I need him for this type of shit? <laughs> he would have been having a field day when he heard that. Uh, I do. I do find it interesting though that about the wishbone. Like it's always, it's always interesting to hear where our little, you know, things we do, you know, come from. Like where that actually those, you know, I don't know, folklore kind of traditions that we do. That's it's always interesting where they're rooted from. <laughs> but this is what gets me. That second form of sternomancy wouldn't work this day and age because women tan, so the color would be changed. Well, and some are not even all their actual body. <laughs> a lot of them. True, true. So shape inside, like, I mean, yeah, we've ruined it all now. So there's no, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> damn, I was going to open a damn shop, Deborah. <laughs> yeah. See how long it would last, but I would open a damn shop. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. This next one, this next one's gross. <laughs> it's called tiromancy and it's based on the mold that grows on cheese oh, it's the shape the shape of the mold its color and the number of holes it created were all taken into consideration used to determine someone's fate in regard to love money and the end of a life it reached very high popularity in the middle ages and was used by everyone from professional prognosticators to the average lay person a common version of it involved writing different possible answers to a question on pieces of cheese and the piece that grows mold soonest indicates your answer. So basically, whatever you want to, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to win, just write it on the thinnest piece of cheese because that's the mold fastest. I think. I guess, but damn, groceries are expensive right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I agree. But what the? All right, we got one more, and then that's the last of the weird sheet. But zygomancy. In, it's a form of divination that uses metal weights as well as scales to predict the future and determine guilt or innocence. A form of this in ancient times would be using a set of scales to weigh a person suspected of a crime against a large Bible, which, which, all, which was also a form of bibliomancy originally. It was widely used by Greeks and Romans. A number of different cultures around the world use various forms of it. The Scandinavian culture known as the Laps, for example, have a sacred rock that represents their god. If they picked up the rock and it felt abnormally heavy, that would mean their god was angry. If it felt especially light, their god was happy. <laughs> How does a rock change weight? I don't get that. But <laughs> similarly, there was a West African tradition in which a woman looking to get pregnant would try to lift an iron hammer. 
if she could easily raise it, it would be a good omen for her pregnancy. If she could not, it meant she would not be able to have a child yet. God, you want to be so, lifting weights then? <laughs> like, be well, nice and soon. I that sounds like the test the test to see if you're worthy of being Thor for getting pregnant. <laughs> it's insane. Can you pick up the Can you pick up the hammer? <laughs> well, that's all I got for this. Fun. Jeremy, you're breaking my heart. You missed my favorite. You missed the eight ball that you shake, you know, when he asked the question and it's. Oh, actually, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> Deborah. I actually skipped over the beginning of that one because I thought it was too plain. But um, no. I can, it's, it's interesting, actually. And it's it's not an eight ball, though. I'll tell you that much. I got to find it, though. Now, what is it? That's the eight ball. Guide your life with it. Answers everything. Well, Deborah, this is where it got started. It was called Philor Philor Hodomancy. It employed the use of rose petals or leaves off a rose bush, which were used to tell the future and more to answer yes or no questions. Similar to how similar to how people they use the magic eight ball. Practitioners of this would take the petal or leaf between the tips of their fingers and ask a question. A question. Typically out loud. Then they would slap the petal or leaf on the palm of the other hand. If it made a clear, crisp sound, it meant yes. Whereas a muffled or quiet slap would be a no. It derives its name from the Greek word phalon, meaning leaf, and rhodon, meaning rose. Another version involved cutting three roses at the stem, as you would do for a bouquet, and placing them in a vase of water, assigning one rose to mean yes, one to mean no, and one to mean maybe. Whichever rose lasted the longest would be the answer. Hmm. See? So that's that's the beginning of your eight ball of your of your magic eight ball. You shake right there. <laughs> Why are you sighing, Michael? What's wrong with you? Magic eight ball. <laughs> uh, just not the magic eight ball, but it just seems like uh, a history of innocent people being blamed for crap that they were not responsible for. It would be terrifying yeah. back then, especially when you know. You know, it's so arbitrary, like telling, saying if you're guilty or not, like it'd be so scary. Wow. And it doesn't I mean, seem if, like okay, yeah. If Scott was here, if Scott was here, I gotta do this for him. If Scott was here, he'd be saying, "That's not the kind of April I use. That's magic." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Carnival Scott, gotta love it. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying, <laughs> uh, just. You know, you were talking about one of these approaches and it involved interpretation, of course, throwing the bones, looking at the scat, blah, blah, blah. But I, I mm. doubt if there was any kind of structured way of doing that analysis. It seems like it was purely arbitrary. Well, I mean, that's also where like where dice, where, where dice come from when they say when, when you're playing dice, they say throwing bones. Like that's where it came from. Was that's yeah. That's what that's what they used to do. Yeah. Like throw them, throw them bones. Like I mean, it's just. <sighs> well, I think the the one thing that's really clear is people have always sort of had an inkling that there's, you know, other dimensions and other you know answers, and they're desperately seeking them. They're they're looking outside themselves for answers. You know. A lot, like you're saying, the the people harassing the mediums when you're on on their your show and stuff. Like people, forever have been looking to get some answers from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah I mean, 
any way and, they can. Even looking at poop, like that's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, the, so oh, that, that's not the looking at poop is not crazy though, because doctors still do it for medical reasons. Well, that's for medical. But yeah, I guess I guess you know back then, you know, maybe it mixed in, but also it could be like they would see color or whatever, and it would indicate a disease or whatever. That's hey, all they knew. They didn't know that. Doesn't matter where we are in time. If your poop's black, you're dying, unless you get fixed. So, if your poop's black and that means blood. So, I mean, if they could tell that in ancient times, if your if your shit was dark and they said, "Oh, you have a bleak future ahead of you," that actually you makes know? yeah, that makes a lot of sense now that you say that. Actually, that they would, you know, perhaps not have the medical terms and knowledge, but they would just see a bleak future just because of a color or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. I mean, I'm pretty sure if your bowel movements are any color besides what they're supposed to be, there's some kind of issue in your dietary. And it may not kill you right away, but it's going to eventually. I'm pretty sure the boob one was just some pervert figured out. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, the quagmire of ancient Rome. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, which ones are you guys willing to try? Which ones are you interested in? Well, I got chicken, so I can go kill one of them and let it run around. No, don't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> Lunch. Drink something different. I, I can have. I can have my. Actually, I wouldn't kill it. I would let my dog do it. They do it good anyway. And yeah. I would just. I would, I'll let the dog grab it, and wherever it drops it, I'll. I'll, I'll draw a bunch of signs in the grass, and wherever the dog drops it, it's my future. What future barbecue? <laughs> like that? Oh no 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 no! If, if they're in the, if they're in the dog's mouth, we don't we don't we. I mean, we never eat them anyway. If the dogs kill them, right, or if they die, it's because oh. it could be they're either sick or we don't want the dog's nasty mouth going in our food. <laughs> like, yeah, dogs do not have cleaner mouths than humans. That's a fucking myth. I believe that. Well, yeah. I mean, you think about what they chew on and eat and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> They also have stronger aesthetic whatever in their saliva so they can handle it, but we can't. So. so, Michael, has your mind been changed at all about this subject? Well, it's been super interesting, you know, trying to divine meaning out of arbitrary coincidences. Uh, like you said, there may be some glimmer of scientific background to some of it. Some of it may be just looking for a way to justify a preordained decision. Of, mm -hmm. We don't like that guy. Let's throw the bones and make sure he's the one that's for it. But I like, uh, the, I like the bread one. The bread oh. one. You poison the bread to the person you don't like to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. It is so interesting. And I mean, but a lot of these had. Ignore historical significance too. I mean, battles lost because they didn't listen to this. I mean, yeah, it could yeah. be co coincidence completely, but still, I mean, the Ides of March is a very famous thing in history. And if Julius Caesar listened to what they said, then he might still be alive. Like all he had to do was not leave his bedroom that day. So like, some of it. So here's devil's advocate with that though too. How much of it do you think is suggestion? you know, like almost like a hypnotic suggestion to the person and then they fulfill it because they were told the fate. Mm. But I mean, the two, the two historical examples, they didn't listen and that's what fucked them. <laughs> like, yeah, but maybe in the back of their mind, they were like, you know, 
so you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or, or, or I mean, or like I said, maybe they were, maybe both those instances were fixed points in fate where they had to happen. It was going to happen anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Julius Jeremy, dying with, seems like a fixed point, but with the idea of fixed points, are you suggesting that time or history is circular? And these fixed points don't change, no, just like no, um, marked on the clock. It's it's not circular, but basically, if this is the line of fate or time, you can have different strands shooting out in all directions if people change what they're doing. But there's always going to be certain strands that are there and are never going to change. Those strands, to put it in the Greek mythology way, those are the strands that turn gold that the fates can't cut. Those are the ones that are going to happen regardless, like Hercules becoming a god when he completed all his tasks and did what he had to do. Like that, stuff like that is determined. Like it's not going to change no matter what you freaking do. I mean, you could say that for when you find your soulmate. That's a fixed strand that's not going to change for a lot of people because it's meant to happen at some point in your life. You just, it might move down the line or up the line, but it's not going to ever break. It's always going to be there in the, attached while other ones like you like you could have the chance to win the lottery here but nope you didn't make the right decision so snap it's gone like or interesting or also like so it's interesting because i was just thinking about the lotteries because look at how many people win the lottery and in a year they're flat broke flat broke because it wasn't really their destiny to kind of mm. be rich like that like it just they blow it away anyways or, not for it. or the people who win the lottery and they don't even check their numbers and don't realize they won until like a year later and then it's like that'd oh. be me i never check my i always forget <laughs> uh, how sad would that yeah. be i don't play the lottery i don't i don't like the odds and i, <laughs> I don't have money to waste i don't have money to waste on it so i mean i i will buy a scratch i used to buy a scratch ticket here or there and my my theory always was if I win on it, I will go buy the exact same scratch ticket again. Yeah. And then I, I will keep doing that until I lose. And sometimes I'd be up a couple hundred dollars by the time I lost. Or sometimes I'd be out a couple hundred dollars by the time I lost. Like, I mean, I mean, because you're not making as much as you're spending at some of them. But it's just the way it goes. And I would always let fate decide it because I would just keep buying the same one over and over again. Because maybe eventually I'd hit that million, that thousand dollar a week one, which I really wanted. <laughs> Yeah, a thousand, I, a, week, a, to, a thousand a week for the rest of your life. That sounds perfect. Yeah, but you have to have just light energy about the lotteries and whatever, because there's just so much. There's so much energy, crazy energy around it. So, I mean, and that's when manifestation comes into it too, because you could you can manifest certain things, but if this is if fates this line, are you just manifesting what you were going to have already, but you're just getting it sooner or you're making it happen when you want it to happen because you're trying to manifest it. Good. I feel like we have a lot of control over our fate, but you have to be energetically ready for it. Cause I, it's one thing to like, be like, yeah, I'm ready to have money. I'm, I'm calling it to me and I'm so grateful for it coming. You're saying all these things, but if you haven't actually dealt with the blocks that are like in your body and your system, you know, in your programming, it's not going to work. <laughs> so well, you have it's, to do a whole bunch of work before you can ever like change the direction. It's like that. It's like the money jar I have. Then there are nights I shake it and I feel like, like I could feel like the energy in me. And I'm just like, I'm going to have a sale at work tomorrow. I'm going to have a sale at work tomorrow because I'm, I, I could feel it. 
And then there are the nights where I'm really tired or just I shake it a couple times half heartedly and like nothing happens the next day. And I don't expect it to half the time because I know I didn't really put my full spirit into it at that point. I was just half heartedly doing it just to do it. Hmm. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the way, it's the way it goes. I mean, it's just. All I know is the world is so much cooler and more interesting than you even oh. realized before. Like when you start oh. looking into all this stuff, it's just fascinating. It is, it is fascinating that the governments and the, you know, um, armies and everywhere, like they've been doing this for a long time. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of craziness to it and a lot of funny stuff, but then there's a lot of practical uses too, if you figure out how to do it. It's very interesting. I mean, but you're right about the energy thing. Cause I mean, if you go into, if you can get your dream job and you go into the interview when you're full of energy and you say, I have this I, and you manifest that you're going to get the job, you'll get it. If, I mean, attitude is everything in those things. And if you go in like doubting yourself or thinking you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it because they're not going to see what you see. They're just going to be, see you as someone who seems to have negative energy about them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless your qualifications are that damn good, I mean, you're not going to get it. So, Deborah, mm-hmm. I astral project to the Vatican Library. <laughs> and I get through the security guards. But the drawers containing the information I want, the old documents that were stolen from the Incas and the Mayans, are locked. Can I still see them? I think so. And like, believe me, I wouldn't I have to open the book to read it? But it's, I, so again, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but. No, um, I get it. I'm just wondering if we were surrounded by people astral projecting, looking at our things, I guess it could be maybe why there are things moving in people's houses and they say they have ghosts, but, uh, you would expect to see a lot more things moving around somewhere like the Vatican Library. Well, put it this I way, don't though. I think the physical things like move, though. I think you can move it like energetically, whatever, see. But I don't know that you're picking up the book and it's floating across to the library table if, and then flipping pages, you know? If you, if you ever seen it's an expert, so. If you ever seen in like a, in, a, in, a, in a comic book or in a movie how Doctor Strange like reads spell books like energy wise instead of actually physical wise okay like it's, it's kind of like that it's like a projection almost above the actual book of the book and you can open it to whatever page you want and but but i mean the vatican itself is going to have defenses against this type of stuff they're the vatican they yeah. they've, they've had people that know how to astral project for thousands of years like they're masters of it like i'm sure they have defenses for any kind of physical mental or spiritual like invasion i'm sure they have any all the defenses they need for all those yeah it's fascinating i'm just wondering if i have the wherewithal to actually <laughs> project do i need to be in the physical presence of the artifact that i wish to examine it's my i'm sorry well, i was gonna say so that's where like like remote viewing i don't know so much about astral projecting but remote viewing you can so for example, what we were doing was they would have um, photographs and they were sealed and they would just give us numbers, not even like it was a number. So, and then 
you're just focusing on that and then you're drawing what's in the photo in the sealed envelope that they have. So we, it's not like you, you picture yourself opening an envelope or anything, you're seeing the, the photo or whatever, you're seeing that thing of that place, you're actually at that place viewing it at that wow. time, maybe a specific time and stuff. So, but I am yeah, learning cool. all this stuff myself too. Like some people are just flipping amazing at this. There's, um, I was just watching this guy was speaking and there was, I can't remember what the lady's name was, but she would spend time and she was actually projecting. She was leaving her body and she was out in space or whatever. And they were like, you know, whatever. So as a test, they were like, well, read the serial. There's some space equipment or whatever. And they were like, read the serial number on that piece of equipment. And she did. She, oh, and they're like, holy crap. Okay. So then she got hired because she can actually go and look at pieces of equipment for them like that. So I, I mean, that's incredible. That yeah, is. That is really interesting. And always, like evidential stuff is so interesting to me where you can improve like you know over and over and over again that it's correct which i mean if if you listen to our episode we did on reincarnation like a almost a year ago probably i mm -hmm. mean we the, a lot of the cases we provide in that one like they are they're the reason i believe in reincarnation so hard because it's just there's so many stories that can't be like these people would not have known these things about their past lives like kids kids wouldn't have known things mm -hmm. about their past lives at the age they were it would before Google, before computers, before internet, these kids knew things in the seventies about previous life as a fighter pilot in World War Two or World War One, whatever the hell that story is. Yeah, it's so specific, but, so specific. Like it was incredible. Yeah, and they and they they would meet like their past lives, like um, co-pilot, and they would be able to have a conversation with them and say things that only that person would have known in the past life. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's creepy. It's fucking creepy interesting stuff one thing we didn't talk about was automatic writing because that's another divination like where you kind of mm. go in a trance and well, i don't know it's like your hands are moving on their own and <laughs> messages flying through well i i had someone i had a channeler on my show who does, who does that too she's a scribe they're called scryers um she she had uh, god damn i can't remember her name now but she's the philadelphia medium she basically has a multitude of angels that she communicates with and she just writes down what they tell her to write down. And it doesn't always make sense. And sometimes she has to like, just kind of like figure out what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. But she, I mean, she did for me on the show and like about my, I asked her about my podcast because she wouldn't know what I had coming up with my podcast plan that I haven't announced yet. Nobody would. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff she pulled out, I was like, whoa, whoa, are you spying on me? Like, what the fuck? Are you in my head? <laughs> like, I don't know how you know this. I haven't told anybody about that plan yet. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's creepy. It's, it's all this stuff is so freaking creepy. Cause it's just like, it's fascinating though. It's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, but you don't, it's your, your peace of mind is slowly disappearing with these things. Like when you start realizing they're real. Another thing I found that, well, this isn't really divination, but I was watching this. Uh, I think it's Mike Mandel hypnosis thing and he was talking about graphology so people's handwriting and how accurate they can you know the information they can figure out about a person just by their handwriting it's like it's that's interesting to me yeah i mean all this stuff is so interesting i mean i love hearing about this type of topic and 
I mean, of course, as I get a mantra, I was past life people and tarot readers, but <laughs> still, I mean, past past life regressionists are freaking amazing people to talk to. Some of them have interesting stories. I mean, either they had one who did a past life or a woman in, in, her, in her past life, she was burned as a witch in Salem. Hmm. Which, I mean, yeah, you could make that up, I guess, but I mean, I don't think, the way she told it, I don't think she did make it up because, like she said, like she could feel the heat when she was like in reading that person's path of life at that moment, she could feel the heat from the fire. Well, hmm. well folks, uh, unless, unless Mike or Deborah have anything else, I think this episode has come to a natural end. No, but that's really interesting. Yeah. Really Love good. <laughs> and so nice to not hear birds aren't real in flat earth every five seconds. <laughs> no, Scott, we missed it. I miss birds aren't real. <laughs> if, if it flies, it lies. <laughs> but we'll be back next Sunday, same time, different place, but same time. And um, we don't know what the topic will be yet. We might have a guest if, if, if that's next week, or we'll have to pick, or we'll have to have, uh, I think Scott's here to pick a topic anyway, but we'll have to see. Listeners, yeah. it'll, be a, it'll be a surprise for you. That's even better. So Use the information sure. tool and figure out what we're doing next week. See if you're right. <laughs> yep. Um, there you go. Don't tell that to Scott. He'll use. He'll think he can do tarot. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, it's been a slice. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. It's been great. Divine your future, people. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant, or you can find me as Uncensored, Unapologetic, and Untamed UQ Podcast Collective group, Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and the Instagram as at JuggaloBastard, or should I say X now? And you can find me on TikTok as at Podcast. You can also find me on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. And you can also find me streaming on YouTube as Blind Knowledge Network, because all knowledge is blind until they admit Bigfoot exists.